Welcome to the Lobot Lounge, the gathering place for the gentlemen nerds. The gentlemen nerds are three entertainment aficionados who know each other through various media endeavors, getting together to talk about all things nerdy, mostly in the vein of film, television, toys, and popular culture. Many topics are discussed, so please be warned, there are the potential for many spoilers. If you like what you hear, you can listen to past shows on iTunes or on our website, thegentlemennerds.com. And now, enjoy the show. Well, the quarantine drags on. You've watched every episode of Tiger King and Schitt's Creek and Succession and Ozark. You've written poetry, you've meditated, you've read Infinite Jest, The Stand, and Ulysses. You've put together every puzzle you've owned twice and have chalk drawn on every sidewalk in your neighborhood. You've done every dress-up challenge, zoomed until your eyeballs throbbed, made and drank every craft cocktail you could find, and you've collected more masks than Roman Sionis. What to do? What to do? Well... Put away that coloring book and cancel that 100th DoorDash order. There's a room in your dwelling that is calling your name, and it is the kitchen. It's time to spend some time in that delightfully smelling room and create some delightful smelling and tasting meals and snacks. It's cooking time! The gentlemen nerds have gathered here today to talk about quarantine cooking and to share some of their favorite recipes with you, our listeners. These recipes are our personal choices and are nerd-approved for all to try. Here, gathered in the Lobot Lounge kitchen, is Mark Finn. Let's kick this up a notch. Aaron Diorive. I have a recipe that has so much spice, it'll have you folding space. <laughs> and I am your host, an emotional touchstone, <laughs> Joseph Otinos. Welcome, welcome, welcome all to the Lobot Lounge and our gentlemen nerds, quarantine cooking special. All yeah. right, all right, all right. Nice. <laughs> Here we are, man. Whew. Yeah. yeah, this is good. This is good. Because, I mean, a lot of people, and I know this for a fact, because I'm somewhat guilty, not not really, I, I don't really use the DoorDash and the and, and, and the delivery services that much, but I have. But I know that some people are like, they live, that's what they're doing. That's how they eat. They're ordering DoorDash. You know, they're having food delivered. And it's good to support your local mom and pop restaurant businesses that you want to, you know, to thrive and survive during this difficult time. But Absolutely. No, no, that's that a very important thing yeah. to point out, Joseph. A lot of restaurants, unfortunately, are closing their doors permanently yeah. uh, because they've been so hard hit uh, by this pandemic. So bravo for mentioning support your local restaurants and eateries, folks. It's really important. Amen to that. Amen yeah. to that. But uh, here we're talking about, man, just rolling up our sleeves, washing our hands twice through two happy birthdays and getting that, that stuff going in the kitchen. Man, there is nothing like a house that smells delicious because there is good food cooking oh, in yeah. the kitchen. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I actually, um, our first date, my wife and I's first date was uh, coming to my house to cook for her. And I, I am convinced that that is why she married me because <laughs> she took she took one bite of the uh, chicken parmesan and said, "Okay, he can cook. I'm going to be all right. Uh, you know, uh, we'll ne- we'll never make a lot of money, but <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> we won't starve. Nice. <laughs> we'll eat well. I love nice. it. Yeah. Oh, wow." 
Um, so yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna share some recipes, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about this for a while. It was Aaron's brainstorm. Aaron, being an, a, a very very good cook, I have in fact folded space with the man. Um, Yay! Very proud to say that I have tried what he's going to share with us tonight. And woo, my goodness graciousness! But anyway, uh, it was his idea, and I thought, wow, what a good idea. Um, I think we all hold our own in the kitchen. Uh, some of us get a little more outrageous and, and, and more daring than others. I th- I, I'm going to guess. We're going to find out here tonight uh, or today or whenever you're listening to this. So uh, let's – what I wanted to do, if you don't mind, gentlemen, before we actually get into the recipes proper, is I wanted to talk about our history in the kitchen and, and how you how we learned. Who – how did we get this knowledge? Did we seek it out? Were we taught by our mothers or our fathers? Did we just play around in the kitchen until we decided, hey, that's good? So, so what, what's your cooking experience or, or training experience individually? How, how did we do this? Oh, that's 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 a great question. I uh, I I grew up in a house. Uh, my earliest memories of cooking were, of course, my mom. Yeah. Uh, she grew up in a house full of, uh, Czech immigrants. And so, uh, pretty much every day for them was started with, a, with, with bread dough. And then we're going to do something with, with, with that, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So that's how mom approaches a lot of her, her cooking is I've got bread dough. What else? And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, but I, al- but I also didn't grow up in a house that was, um, uh, mom was the only one that cooked, you know, uh, dad would grill and, and do outdoor fire things. And, and he made breakfast a lot of times and stuff like that. And so that was, um, you know, I, I never, it, it, I didn't associate it with any one person or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I got older, I was, uh, old enough to stay home while everybody worked. And so I learned at an early age, uh, the art of man food. Uh, which is uh, which is the ability to make food from foodlessness. Yes, uh, and uh, at three a.m. Right. <laughs> yes, that is that is a, nice. It's a skill that comes upon most men like an awakening. Uh, usually, uh, two weeks after uh, they arrive in college and run out of prepared meals and realize that they have to eat and have twelve dollars to their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, as a as a latchkey kid, you pick up on some stuff early, and and you know, and mom kept the 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 larder stocked, so I learned early on to kind of play around, but uh, I didn't really it didn't really get interested in it. I'd moved out of, uh, I'd been out of, uh, for a few years, uh, maybe two. Uh, and one Christmas mom, one of the gifts that she gave me was, uh, a recipe book, handwritten recipes mm. of all the stuff that she used to make whenever I was, uh, a kid. And so it's got my mom's bread recipe in it, uh, her chicken and dumplings recipe. Mm, nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it's just, it was really cool. It was a, it's, it's uh it's something I treasure because, uh, that was the thing that made me realize, Oh, th- this is instructions. I can follow instructions. And, uh, now I've never really conquered baking. Baking has still sort of been an elusive thing to me, but yeah. Uh, I stopped. Uh, and you know what's I, funny? Bakers, however, uh, think the exact opposite way. Bakers are like, oh, baking is easy. Oh, but that cooking. And I agree. Baking is alchemy to me. I, yeah. I, I yeah, don't even risk it. I don't risk it. No, it's fell witchcraft, and I'll have none of it. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, at, at that point, I uh, I stopped uh, taking it so uh, stopped thinking about it in terms of uh, how hard it was, and just realized that I could do it. And and ever since then, I've been on my own and I'm trying new things and learning new stuff and. Um, I, I've, I've everybody that's eaten my food has said it's a, uh, it's wonderful. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, it's a skill I'm proud to have acquired. Lovely. Yeah. Aaron, how about you? What's your history? Well, in the kitchen? I, I was fortunate enough to have, uh, grown up in a family, uh, that owned restaurants. Ooh. And so, yeah, my, my mom, my mom has been a cook, a good cook her entire life. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up. You know, just I, I didn't know any different. I thought all families were like this. I'd grow up, I'd be like, I'm hungry. And I'd run downstairs to the restaurant and I'd order up whatever the hell I wanted. And then I'd get hungry for lunch and run downstairs and get order something else. And, you know, wow. doesn't, every, yeah, doesn't, every, doesn't everybody do that? So, uh, <laughs> and my mom just in general, just loved the kitchen. She would make great breakfasts and uh, pancakes and, and d- delicious eggs and chorizo. And, and she would, you know, she was just a good cook. She was a good cook. And so yeah. um, the strange thing is though, she never wrote, I mean, not a single recipe. You would not find a recipe anywhere in our house growing up, not on a note card, not anywhere. It was all just in your head. She would just yeah. tell you. And then, and of course it wasn't never measurements. There was no, a tablespoon and a half of this, a teaspoon. No, no. It was a pinch of this, a pinch of that, uh, mm-hmm. two shakes of this, two shakes of that, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but very early on, just started making amazing uh, dishes. Uh, we are we are Latinos, and so there was a lot of wonderful Mexican cooking uh, yeah. growing up. Um, and uh, Mexican cooking has a lot of spices, which is probably why I've grown up always more inclined towards uh, foods that are heavy in the spices, Indian food, Thai food, things like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was all watching. Now, I... The other interesting thing, because my, my experience kind of matches Mark's, except for the, oh, I'm out of food and all I have is this packet of ramen and some licorice. Um, <laughs> it was more, I never had to cook for myself. I was just watching somebody do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it was a grandmother or a mom or an aunt or whatever it is, I, just, I was just watching people do it. And it's when I went to college and, and finally was like, oh, I don't have much money and I'm really hungry and I don't want to go to Taco Bell anymore. Um, that I started going, well, wait a minute. I, my mom made that chicken and rice recipe. Hmm. How hard could that be? And I just remembered what she did and would get the ingredients with my $12. And it was usually <laughs> enough. And I'd come home and I'd start, start putting, oh yeah, okay. So two shakes of cumin. Okay. One shake of this. And then, and, uh, and yeah, lo and behold, I was like, oh, hey, it worked. But I started writing them down <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to trust that it would be a shake of this and two shakes of that because I wouldn't remember. So, yeah. yeah, I started writing all that stuff down. And so, but yeah, I came from, I came from a cooking family, a family that cooked the, their whole lives and it just rubbed off on me. Cool. One, one quick follow-up to that, Aaron. Um, your daughter, Elena, is she interested in cooking? Have you shared any of this with her? I have, and in fact, uh, one of my one of my most proud moments uh, as a father was um, I was going to make my the, one of the dishes I will talk about uh, for this podcast, my doom chili, and Elena ran in there. She was probably I don't know ten, yeah, and she said, "Daddy, daddy, daddy, can I make the doom chili?" 
Mm. And I said, of course you can, my beloved daughter. I shall sit here and watch. And she pulled up a stool and she stood up on a stool and she, you know, I, of course, am listening like, now you're going to need this and the, the ingredients. And she's pulling them all off the spice rack. Um, but she measured everything in. She did all of the browning of the meat. She, I mean, she did the June chili. She made it. Uh, and then, of course, I'm eating it and going, oh, this is, this is delicious, honey. This is really good. <laughs> And, and again, it, it, when, once a kid figures out that it is, it's kind of like a puzzle. It is yeah. like a puzzle. Yeah. And once yeah. you put all the pieces together and you sit back and admire this wonderful vista that you have created, mm -hmm. um, then, yeah, then then she she developed uh, a, a taste for it. Now, I don't know that she is now at 15. Um, somebody that loves to cook, I don't think she does. I think she prefers to have somebody else cook. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm sure that when she goes off to college, she's not going to be going. Oh, I guess it's I guess it's a weenie inside of a tortilla with some mayonnaise. I mm -hmm. don't think that's going to be her. I think she's yeah. going to be. Hmm, you know, I'm going to make some tacos. I'm going to make some enchiladas. I'm going to make right. some chili. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it rubbed off on her too. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad the recipe that she made, uh, the dune chili that she made, the batch uh, she worked on, came out good. Otherwise. You would have torn her still suit and banished her out into the desert. So I would have, I, I would have, I would have taken her water for the good of the tribe. Yeah, that's yes. right. That would have, it just would have been part of part of the procedure. That's I myself uh, grew up uh, uh, with a um, Greek father and a Mexican American mother, as I have often said on this show. My yaya, my father's mother, uh, my grandmother, uh, grew up uh, or was with me for many years as I was growing up, and and taught my mother how to cook Greek food. Uh, so the smells in the house were always amazing. There were always, uh, uh, you know, there's always pasticho cooking or some kind of a lamb dish or, and then also the Mexican side of her as well, um, was also amazingly, uh, uh, flavorful and tasty and a lot of spices. And, and, and my mother, like, like yours, Aaron, didn't really write anything down. She, yeah. and, and, she, and I took great interest in, in, in cooking. I was very interested. So I would, I would stand with her. Uh, and she would say, yeah, just, you know, just taste it. See what you, see what you think. You can a bit more to this, add some more of that, you know, just, it, it is a process. And, and something she used to tell me all the time and still does to whoever will listen, that cooking, uh, if you want to learn how to cook, if you have a desire to learn how to cook and can read a recipe, you can do it. It's not, you know, impossible. People say, I, I don't cook. You, it's because you don't want to cook. You right. don't want to, to learn because it is there. Um, you know, some of the, uh, my, my, my memories growing up in that house, in Houston, Texas, you know, uh, just the amazing amount of deliciousness that came from that kitchen, both Greek and, and Mexican, and, and just across the board, everything. But garlic was huge. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you the garlic in my house and, and probably in my bloodstream to this day would ward off any bloodsucker who yeah. wants to and attempt to bite me because it would. It, I think, I think garlic flows through my veins. Um, but these are these are fantastic memories, ladies and gentlemen, that we have. And and by the way, we are recording this on Mother's Day, uh, yes. Yes. so it's a nice nod to our mothers um, to 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 do this today. So uh, I thought I'd point that out as well. Um, so why don't we um, why don't we jump on into this and and, and share some of our faves? Um, these recipes, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we will be posting them on our website. Uh, and our Facebook uh, group, The Gentleman Nerds, uh, The Lobot Lounge. If you go to Lobot Lounge on Facebook, find us there. Uh, and GentlemanNerds.com, we can put uh, uh, recipes up there as well. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a cooking episode as if to say, okay, pause the podcast, go into the kitchen. You, I suppose yeah. you 
Yeah, yeah, but no, no. <laughs> generally talk about the recipe, what goes into it, um, and any memories associated with it. When was the first time you had it? Um, you know, is it comfort food? Is it is it a staple? Is it a special occasion food? Things like that. Um, food is love. And, and, I, and I mean that, especially when you put it together with your own two hands. I think wow. that emotionally, there's something incredibly satisfying about sticking your utensil into something that you yourself prepared. And the first bite is like, oh, yeah, or mm, better next time I'll do this. And I've, that, I've had that, you know, where you, you, you eat something that you cook and you go, that's not bad. But next time I'm going to do this. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? That's how you learn, folks. And and it's yep. okay to to stumble from time to time. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we drew lots in the kitchen here. Uh, and I believe, Mark Finn, you are up first, my friend, if you don't mind. I do, not, I do not mind. And uh, we're going to start, uh, you know, just for me with the most important important meal of the day. I am a huge breakfast fan. Uh, there is not a food that you can serve at breakfast that I would not push into my face hole. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I I, I, and I'm the guy. I'll eat breakfast for dinner. I, I don't care. Mm. I'm, I, I'm oh, I love dinner. breakfast for dinner. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, it's, it's great. It, it's really one of the best things ever, and one of the one of the real pleasures of being an adult, alongside <laughs> eating ice cream in December. You know, uh, what your mother would never let you do, but now that you're out of the house, I do what I want, mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had a, uh, th this recipe is, uh, something that's kind of, I, I think it's specific to Austin, Texas, Ooh. but I also, it's also one of the most recent things that I did that I reverse engineered because I love it so much. And that's Migas. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Amen. They, there, you can literally uh, start a knife fight in Austin by proclaiming one restaurant having better migas than the other restaurant. It's one of the we take it almost as seriously in Austin as tacos, right? Yes. It, it's it is a thing. Uh, and so what it is, it's similar to chilaquiles. Uh, it's it's kind of a hangover food recipe. And uh, it's essentially scrambled eggs with stuff in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and in this case, the stuff is uh, maybe the leftovers from last night's uh, feast, whatever you were having. Um, it always starts with, uh, you know, sautéing some onions and some uh, diced jalapenos. Uh mm -hmm. You can use other peppers if you want. You can use garlic if you want. That's the best thing about this recipe is that it is 100% customizable. Once you make it one time, you go, oh, oh, okay. And so the next time you make it, it'll be yours. Yeah. Um, and so um, I my typical go-to is uh, is onions and jalapenos, and, and not even a lot. If you're using fresh jalapenos, you don't need a lot because it's <laughs> – it's it's pretty aromatic. And then if I've got a little garlic, I'll add that. Uh, I get that softened and uh, in in a pat of butter or uh, lately it's been coconut oil uh, and, and get that uh, kind of caramelizing. And while that's happening, I'll beat uh, four to six eggs, depending on how hungry Kathy and I are. Because uh, we'll we'll eat on this for, you know, it'll be, it'll be first and second breakfast if we do it right. Right. <laughs> 
I was wondering if you were going to talk about second breakfast. Oh, oh yes. Oh yes. It's uh, it's very important. And sometimes this will even last all the way to elevensies. Um, the secret to this. And by is the way, let me, let me let me interrupt real quick and just in, in, include here that you are not allowed to leave a Latino household. You do not get your Mexican card until you know how to make migas, and that's this is just a fact. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They go. Okay, you're ready to go out into the world, my my son, daughter. Wait, wait. <laughs> you know how to make migas? Of course. You know. Uh, okay. So just, just, so I thought I throw that in there. This is this is must know information if you're a Latino. Go ahead. Well, uh, so and so uh, around the uh, while all that softening and while I've beaten the eggs, the last thing that I do is I'll add salt and pepper to the vegetables, and I'll add cumin uh, because cumin makes the world go round, yep. and uh, also is what gives uh, your me is that wonderful uh, uh, earthy aromatic. Uh, smell that it's just, it's just when you, when you put it in, you'll know. Uh, and then all that is mixed in with the eggs. Um, and, uh, I wait about 30 seconds, uh, before I add crushed, uh, tortilla chips. That's the other important ingredient, uh, crushed tortilla chips. And it's gotta be restaurant quality chips. It's don't do, don't do Doritos. Don't do Fritos. Have some taste. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, if it's the kind of chip that you would put queso or salsa on, those are the chips. And uh, mind you, already that's one step removed, right? This is what I would call the the white person version of uh, migas. Uh, Mexicans will actually take the tortilla, fry it on the comal, uh, mm, cut right. up the tortilla. So yeah. it's even fresher than a chip. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Please, would, at least, at least. A, a restaurant quality tortilla chip. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I have done it both ways. I've done I've done fresh corn tortillas, and it it tends to add a little extra. Um, it's a couple of extra steps. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's okay. But in in a pinch, good good quality chips. Uh, if you put them in the butter, they'll soften. And, uh, and it just, it's, it's very delightful after that. It's just cooking the eggs to the desired consistency and topping with cheese. Uh, and then I, we like to eat those with, um, tortillas. We'll use flour tortillas. Uh, and, uh, uh, in the, I've also, uh, well, I like chorizo and Kathy doesn't. So we, we, we split the difference and do bacon. Uh, Nice. But, uh, but yeah, you could, but, uh, you know, and, and I'm the guy that I'll, I'll take my tortilla and I'll put the eggs and the bacon in it and make little tacos and, nice. and do it that way. Um, I've, I've made this for family. I've made this with, uh, it, it, it doubles and triples. Well, I've made it, I've made it with 12 eggs. Uh, and you just, you just exponentially, you know, up the, the rest of the ingredients, yeah. uh, so that it's, it, uh, it's all kind of even and uh it's everybody loves them everybody that's had my migas as absolutely uh raves about them so uh, oh, absolutely yeah yeah they're good things no, uh, migas are the shit migas are the stuff yeah, i'm telling you they're very important uh to to have those and, and to you know that, that is a staple it really is especially here like you say here in here in texas so yeah and and what Kathy likes to do, mm-hmm. see, this is the other nice thing about this. They're customizable. Yeah. Uh, Kathy likes pico de gallo a lot more than I do. 
Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll put a little pico de gallo in with the vegetables at the beginning. If right. I don't, though, she will add pico de gallo at the end along with a dollop of sour cream. Aha. And so ah. that so this makes really this is th- if if you just want to get quick and dirty and impress your your wife or your your date, these are awesome to to throw together. But yeah. this but this quickly can become a brunch item. You yeah. know what I'm saying? You can yeah. you can quickly make it fancier and more refined by just adding a couple of those extra touches at the end, you know, uh, scallions across the top or, you know, whatever, whatever stuff you want to put on there. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the, the salsa choice really, I think does. And yes, Latinos do have green salsas, brown salsas, roasted salsas. I mean, super spicy salsas, creamy salsas. Yeah. Just, when you go to the grocery store and you see the wide array of different salsas, yes, Latinos eat most of those. So do uh, not put paste picante sauce on your migas. No, do no. not. That's New that's York City. Get a rope. Get a rope. Yeah. I um I like the ch- I like a chipotle on mine. Uh, yes. The, yes. Uh, but but and I've I've had them I've had them with green sauce, but I I really like uh I like a medium fire roasted salsa, uh and again. On the side, optional, we will eat them with chips and 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 queso and and salsa as well. Uh, there, th- it's really for us. That's uh, that's one of our favorite things to have for for breakfast. Absolutely. And it, and fact, it's hard. You want you, you, you want me to take you to the next level, Mark? You want me to take the next level? Put it on a tortilla and put a big dollop of guacamole on it. There we go. Oh uh, sure, guac. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I'm getting hungry now, folks. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, that's that 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 was the risk on this episode, by the way. <laughs> yes, yeah. We're gonna sit here and just be like, "Oh my God, hurry up!" So I can get out. <laughs> Let's get lunch. Yeah. All right. Um, wow, that's that's amazing and a great way to start your day, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Migos is it's definitely a um, uh, one one of the uh, four food groups. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out the, the, the other three as we go along. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in on this one and and share um, my recipes that I was thinking about sharing today. I decided to go um, with a pressure cooker or Instapot recipes. Oh, fun! Uh, Instapot, uh, by the way, makes quarantine cooking fast, easy, quick, and does some amazing things. Uh, I like cooking with uh, a pressure cooker. I like cooking on a stove as well or in the oven. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all around. But I really liked these, these recipes that uh, Brandy and I, my wife and I, have done. Uh, and they are repeats. We, uh, we put big stars by them. We said, oh, my God, these are good. The first one I'm going to share with you is an Irish recipe mm. called cold cannon. And cold cannon, if you, uh, if you are unfamiliar Think of mashed potatoes. Uh, think of the Irish. Think of the greatest mashed potatoes you've ever gonna you're ever gonna eat in your entire life, and that is cold cannon. Now, I was skeptical when I first read the recipe, and I went, "Really?" So, bear with me and trust me; these are gonna blow you away. Um, cold cannon's a pretty standard dish on the Irish food table, which is weird coming from a Mexican Greek, but. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I highly recommend this cold cannon recipe. So cold cannon is made not only with potatoes, but with cabbage. Yes, you heard me right. Mm-hmm. Cabbage. Oh. So you, you take about two cups of, of, of chopped green cabbage, 
Uh, and uh, you use um, garlic, of course. Got to have the garlic. Then it's very important that the potatoes that you use do not, do not, do not use russet potatoes. You must use either diced red or diced yellow potatoes. Do okay. not use russets. It will not work. Um, so essentially, you put the 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 the, the butter in the, the your your pot and you saute the cabbage and the garlic. You saute it for a few minutes and you stir it until that cabbage begins to get brown. Okay, you're sautéing cabbage at this point, folks, and you cancel. Okay, stop, stop the sauté. Add about a half cup of water and the potatoes. Now you're doing about four cups of the diced red or yellow potatoes. Once again, no russets. You add that to the pot. Okay, and then close your lid, make sure it's airtight, and you seal it and you cook the high pressure. And this is why I love the Instapot, folks, because you're done in you know 15 minutes. You you cook at high pressure for five minutes, and then you allow a 10 minute natural release. Because the Instapot, in case you don't, guys, some of you don't have them, that's fine. They're, they're wonderful things. But you do a natural release slowly. That pressure is really cooking that fast, and it's naturally releasing it. And then you manually release after 10 minutes and get all the pressure out. Now, when you crack that sucker open, you're going to add some more butter, about two tablespoons, maybe three. Let's go three. Uh, and then you use a potato masher or the fork to mash your potatoes with the cabbage. Okay? And it's all going to mash up beautifully. It's going to look just, and it's going to smell amazing. The cabbage and the potatoes all mashed up together. Okay. Um, that's it. Essentially wow. you, you're going to, you're going to add some, the garlic and the, and the cabbage and the potatoes. Um, you can add a little bit of, of milk if you want to make it, you know, a little more, uh, a creamier, but it's not necessary. You could make this into a vegan dish if you were so inclined and not use uh, you can use vegan butter or vegan milk if you want. And that still works because you're just basically eating, uh, sauteed cabbage, garlic, and, and uh, potatoes, uh, uh, steamed together and you mashed them up. Now, um, we've only made this in the Instapot, um, and it makes an amazing amount of, of coal cannon. And the Colcannon is even better the second day, even better yeah. the third day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. all, all those flavors blend in. And it is like crack. Uh, it is so good. It is so good. And, and I've, oh. I've had a lot of mashed potatoes in my life. Uh, I've never had anything this good. And, and I'm, wow. I'm, ch- I'm going to challenge some of my less than uh, 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 open-minded friends. I'm going to serve them this and go, mm, these mashed potatoes are good, aren't they? And they go, oh, my God, these are amazing. And they go, ha-ha. What you're eating is Colcannon. It's potatoes and cabbage. Enjoy. <laughs> no, yes, but that's when you throw on your green derby and you say, oh, it's after me, Colcannon potatoes. <laughs> that's, man. You know, I've, I've heard of it, but I've never had it. So, no, uh, no, I myself am familiar with it. Yes, I've heard of it. I've just, I've never tasted it. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm ready to try it now. It's, okay. It is very, very good. It's, it is, and, and, and again, my, my initial reaction was, Cabbage? I want cabbage in my mashed potatoes? You crazy? Damn it! This is America. But oh boy, it is. I actually, tough. like cabbage. I, I I'm very fond of cabbage. Uh, so yeah, no, that, that that recipe sounds fantastic to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm and down. It's <laughs> and it's easy. Um, uh, Mr. Derive, what you got for us in the Well, kitchen? let me just get it out of the way. I've talked okay. about it enough uh, online. I've talked about it uh, on on this podcast many times. I've mentioned it at least. Um, and yes, that is uh, my now infamous Dune Chili. Yes, Dune, named for the Frank Herbert novel of the same name. Mm. Um, and it is it is a really, really delicious chili. Now, I am a big fan of chili, have been since I was a wee lad. 
Um, of course, back in those days, right, you'd op open up a can of wolf chili and pour it over a bag of Fritos and you were done, right? Mm, that's delicious. Um, this is before I really had started to experience the, the true chili. I mean, actually homemade delicious chili. And there are all kinds and all sorts. And I'm going to just right off the bat kill the notion that I am a sixth, perhaps seventh generation Texan. Anybody who tells you that if you put beans in chili, it's not really chili. They are liars. Ignore them. Tell them to go away and tell them to go go live in a hut somewhere where they can scream at each other over such minutia. Um, <laughs> you put beans in your chili if you want to, folks. It is still goddamn chili. Um, <laughs> Some controversy here today. Yes, and this coming from a sixth, possibly seventh generation Texan where chili was invented. So, so no, 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 no. You can have you can have beans and chili, but but I will admit, traditionally, Texas red chili does not have beans. This is true. That is true. There are different right. recipes. Yeah. Um, and if and you so, call if you call it a bowl of red, the expectation is that there's no beans. That is correct. But that if you correct. say I've got a seven bean chili, people are going to be like, <laughs> all right. There you go. Yeah. And you know, actually, that's an excellent distinction, Mark. Don't ever call it a bowl of red. If you just say, hey, I have some chili I'd like you to try. You can even say that. I have some chili. And then if they taste it and go, eh, it's got beans in it, then kick them out of your house immediately. Right. Um, but but if you say that, that, then you are taking your life in your own hands. And you say, oh, I, I want you to taste my bowl of red Texas chili and you have beans in it, all right, I am not responsible for what happens after that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you were warned. Yes. Mistakes yeah. were made. Yeah. <laughs> Punishments yeah. handed down. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so over the years, I have experimented with various kinds of chili, various recipes, various chili powders. Um, chili very much is defined by the kind of chili that you use. You can use chipotle, you can use ancho, you can use regular chili, you can use all kinds of different chilies uh, are used uh, to make um, uh, uh, recipes. But what I discovered years ago, uh, I had a chili recipe that I would make. It was fairly traditional. It used beer and, and chili powder and cumin and things like that. But um, I discovered Ethiopian cuisine when I moved to Austin. Uh -huh. And one of the things that Ethiopian cuisine uh, makes a, a great and wonderful use of is a spice called berbere. That is B-E-R-B-E-R-E, -E -E, Berbera Ethiopian Spice. You can look it up, folks. It is a combination of spices. So when people say, oh, is Berbera chili? Is Berbera, no, no, Berbera is a combination of, I'm, and I'm not even sure, I believe it's like eight or possibly nine different spices go into Berbera. Um, and the Ethiopians make a delicious, a delicious uh, a beef dish with it. Uh, they make a chicken dish with it. Mm. Uh, they make all kinds of just amazing, amazing things uh, with, uh, with, with Berbera. And uh, here we go. So, okay. So here's some of the things that you will find in Berbera. Cloves, allspice, nutmeg, fenugreek, cardamom, ginger, coriander, paprika, cayenne, um, and, and it's all ground together, and it's delicious. I, I mean, just there is no way. If you've never tried it, it's really hard to describe it to you. Um, so, And because it is so exotic and hard to describe, it's like whenever I've had discussions in the past with people about Dune, 
And they're always saying, I wonder what dune spice tastes like. You know, they talk about that it tastes kind of like cinnamon and I'm not, I don't know, I'm not sure. And and so I just, I was tickled by that. And I thought, you know what? This is dune chili. I make it with spice with a capital S. Mm. Um, however, the recipe also has cinnamon because yes, Frank Herbert specifically says that spice tastes like, smells and tastes like cinnamon. Um, so uh, what you do is you, you take the, and again, these uh, recipes will be posted, folks. Um, you take uh, the normal chili recipe that you would normally do, and it calls for usually anywhere between, depending on your taste, four to six tablespoons of chili powder. Well, if you substitute that with four to six tablespoons of Ethiopian Berbera spice, and you include uh, one teaspoon or more of cinnamon, uh, and and this is an odd one, and people kind of go, what? But no, believe me, one teaspoon of unsweetened cocoa. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, you know what? I'm going to go with that because I like that sweet and savory mix. Yes. Uh, true cocoa isn't really like sweet, sweet. It's got a, a, a tang to it, right? Absolutely. That's why it's unsweetened. You use the unsweetened cooking cocoa. Don't don't use like something you would use for a for a like a sweet thing for a dessert. No, no. Right, unsweetened right. cocoa. Um, and then of course it's got the traditional. It's got the cumin. Of course, Mark was saying, yeah, cumin is is you know the god's own spice. It is. Uh, it's got additional allspice and paprika, and it's got you know other kinds of chili powders you can put in as well. If you are a fan of chipotle or ancho, hey, you know what? Throw in a tablespoon of each of those. Uh, it's got oregano leaves, of course, has garlic, onions. It's just absolutely an intoxicating combination of spices. Now, yeah. meat. Let's talk about meat. Mm. Uh, again, there are those in Texas. If you're eating a bowl of red, uh, they do not expect to see ground beef in their chili. That is not the meat you use to make chili. Um, there is a cut that's specifically called chili meat. You can actually even go to the to the butcher and ask for chili meat. Yes, uh, it's very similar to stew meat. That's basically what it looks like—just cubes of beef. Um, and I use both. I do a combination of ground beef because I actually like the the flavor of ground beef. And don't don't I know health conscious folks. I get it. Just do a couple more sit ups. Don't don't use anything uh, uh, other than the eighty twenty. Uh, ground sirloin. It, the, it's important. 80-20, guys. Don't don't go for the 90-10 or the 95-5 or whatever the super lean meat is. No, you want that delicious fat in there. Yeah, you need the fat. Um, yeah, you're going to cook it until most of that evaporates out anyway. That's right. Um, so so that's that's fine. But but you do need the really delicious fatty sirloin. I use ground sirloin. That's usually 80-20. Uh, so it might even be 85-15. I'm not sure. Uh, but I also use, and I use about about uh, a pound and a half of the ground beef, and then I add an additional pound and a half of um, the stew meat, the chili meat. Mm. Um, if you're really feeling brave, you can add a pound of the burger, of the sirloin, a pound of chili meat, and then a pound of, are you ready for this, brisket Whoa. Then you really, you have now transcend, you are now folding space, folks. <laughs> Whoa, brisket yes. and the chili. Yes. Oh, yes. that's so good. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. 
So yeah, you mix all that up. Uh, you can put red kidney beans if you want. Nothing is wrong with that. Uh, some people prefer pinto beans, but I think red kidney is more traditional. Um, the only thing I would suggest is that if you use it from a can, most people use just a can, do rinse them. Uh, red kidney beans in that the juice they come in have a really strong flavor, and I wouldn't want it to overpower the flavor of the chili. It can taste too beany if you don't rinse them very well. So rinse them, add them in. Uh, you add them in towards the end of the cooking time. It cooks for a long time, folks. That's another thing. It's not chili that will be ready in an hour. Uh, mm -hmm. This probably needs a good two to three hours to simmer. Uh, and just like Mark was talking about with the migas, or, or maybe uh, Joseph said it with the, 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 the potato, it's better the next day and the next day and the day after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As all the spices just absorb fully into the meat, everything mixes so beautifully well. And, and then it becomes a thing you can have with the different various dishes. You can have it on hot dogs and make chili dogs. You can have it with Fritos and make Frito pie. Um, if you want, you can have it over pasta. Some people in, in, in certain parts of the of the country make a chili and they use it like they would use pasta sauce and they yeah. eat it with spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, it is, you can make, you can make chili burgers with it. You can make it, you could put, use it all kinds of ways. Uh, it stores very well. Uh, you make a big, huge vat of it. You freeze half of it. And whenever you're in the mood for chili, you pull some out. Yeah, and and you go to town. I am when it comes to chili, I am not a fan of of sour cream. Uh, I'm all for cheese and I'm all for diced onions, um, but I'm not, or even scallions. By the way, Mark mentioned that, and I think that's actually really yummy. But I don't. Once you put sour cream in the chili, it ch completely changes the flavor of the chili. Um, now you may like that, and that's great. Knock yourself out. And by the way, this will be spicy. Berbera is spicy. This is not a mild recipe. This is not something that if you have that friend that says, oh, I don't really, I don't fancy spicy food, don't give this to them because they're going to hate you. Yeah. Um, but if you like spicy food, have at it. Have at it. Uh, absolutely delicious. Uh, yes, dune chili. I, I laugh. And now every night when I post on Facebook about it every now and then people will say, oh, could you please share the recipe for dune chili? <laughs> okay, here you go. Here's a recipe for dune chili. Um, and in fact, in fact, uh, one of my friends made it, entered it into a chili uh, competition and won. Mm. So, so it is now, I can safely say it is now an award winning uh, chili recipe. Nice. Yeah, yeah. dude, chili. Is, this it is an important distinction. Was it a Texas chili competition? It was. It was That's in Texas. Important. Absolutely. Important. No, yeah. and he said he said the competition was stiff. There was all yeah. kinds of chilies from all over that smell, and he went around tasting them. They were delicious. He thought, oh, "I'm doomed. I'm I'm never going to win this one." And he yeah. won. Yeah. But I think honestly, it's because the bear bear brings it out of the normal realm of what we associate as chili into yeah. something completely exotic, it, like. You have not tasted something like this before. You're like, what? Well, yeah. What is this? It's delicious. Right. Um, and I, cool. I lament and regret and will fix the fact that I have not made this for my good friend Mark Finn yet. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, this is a this is a, a defect in our relationship that must be addressed. It will be it will be rectified. I will make a delicious batch of dune chili 
for Mark, and we will we will eat it until we're just delirious and are both heading out <laughs> to different planets. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you if you eat too much of it, you will in fact mutate like a guild navigator. Just yes, absolutely. No, in fact, I can guarantee you that if you eat a lot of this all the time, you'll start to look a lot like a sandworm. Yeah. Um, I- I just want to. I just want to have a conversation with the Quezat Satarak. Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, come on. Hey, we, yeah. we got a Quezat hat rack you could talk to. That's about. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> many, many men have tried this chili. They've tried and failed. No, they've tried and died. They tried and died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there it is, folks. Doom chili. I highly recommend. It. And in fact, if you try any of the recipes that you uh, that you find on our website. Uh, please post your comments and let us know how did this turn out? What did you do different? Uh, did, did your family love it? Did you love it? How if you have improved upon it? What did you do? We would love to hear. Any yeah, that'd be great. Comments. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So there's there's my Dune chili. Lovely, lovely. Nice. He who controls the chili controls the universe. That's right. <laughs> Tasty stuff, man. Oh, all right. Yeah. No, that's this is gonna this is gonna end up uh, probably eating. Right after we're done, because um, <laughs> then yeah, I, I I have tried Aaron's Dune Chili, um, and it was a delightful experience, uh, coupled with a screening of um, Frank Herbert's uh, uh, well, the eighties um, David yes. Lynch Dune. Yes, uh, <laughs> which uh, yeah, it was it was it was lovely. It was lovely, and and it's very very tasty stuff. So I, I yeah. highly highly recommend giving that one a shot. Absolutely. Mark Finn, what you got for us? You got another recipe to share? I, I have a, a quick one okay. uh, that I that I am uh, really into. Um, my mother uh, used to do a big thing for New Year's Day. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that uh, she insisted on, it was, you know, in addition to, the, of course, the cabbage, uh, was, was black-eyed peas. And uh, I've been making black-eyed peas for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my black-eyed peas have actually, my recipe has actually morphed to the point where we will eat it when it's not New Year's. Oh, I love black eyed peas, by the way. So yeah. I'm all ears. I am all ears. This I call this my drunken black eyed peas with bacon. Oh, and, and the secret to black eyed peas, uh, for those of you not from the South, is you must cook them with everything in the house except maybe a gym sock. And <laughs> and and I'll argue that sometimes you can use the gym sock too. Mm. Uh Black eyed peas are a blank canvas into which you will dump all of your flavor and personality. So, uh, my black eyed pea recipe works a lot like, um, the standard black eyed peas, you know, you soak them overnight, like, uh, like you would any kind of, a uh, legume and, um, uh, to get things started, uh, you have to, uh, cook and chop about a half a pound of bacon and you want to keep uh not only some of the fatty parts of the bacon but you want to keep about three tablespoons of bacon fat Mm. Uh, because you are going to saute a medium onion in that half a bell pepper four cloves of minced garlic uh fresh thyme salt and pepper uh all that good stuff and you're going to let that uh 
be the kicker on your on your in your black eyed pea solution. Uh, you're going to dump all of that in with um, uh, three to four cups of chicken stock. Uh, if you make your own, that's great. But if you don't, you just you got to make sure you get something that's not low sodium. Just go ahead and get regular regular chicken stock. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I I understand vegans. You, you have issues. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you decide what you need to substitute, but you need the fat. Uh, and then the kicker is twelve ounces of dark beer. Uh, oh, nice! A lager, a Bach, you know, uh, a, a red ale, something along those lines. Don't use a pilsner. Don't use an IPA. Don't use anything fruity. And for Pete's sake, don't use Bud Light. Get a real beer. You know, <laughs> get, 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 a, get a real beer. Um, but you need about 12 ounces of that. And uh, and that all goes in along with uh, salt and pepper to taste. And you won't be able to taste it right away because, if uh, you know, it's all got to come together. So this is one of those things where you leave it on the uh, stovetop. Bring it to a boil, reduce heat, and let it simmer for two hours. Uh, you check the water level. Uh, after two hours, you uncover it, give it a try. And uh, if it's not, if, if you don't taste flavors, you need to add more salt and pepper. And you're going to basically cook them until the beans are tender. Uh, a good way to tell is if you can mash them against the side of the pot with the back of your spoon. Uh, if they just, but they mash and, and yeah. go soft like that. Perfect. Um, and the secret to this here, of course, is obviously you can add more bacon if you want, you can add more beer if you want. Uh, but, uh, what you really want to do again, layer in your favorite flavors. If you don't like, uh, bell peppers, you can always use, um, you can always use jalapenos. If you don't like, uh, if you don't like onion, uh, you can use shallots. Uh, you don't, it doesn't have to be uh, white onion. You can use yellow onion if you want. Yeah. Uh, you're basically making hop and John and this, yeah. uh, this works great over stuff or just straight out of the bowl. Uh, I found that straight out of the bowl, uh, is great, but when you crumble some cornbread and put the beans on top, it's even better. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. when you, when you ladle it over, uh, rice, mm. it's even better. Uh, however you, whatever your delivery system is for black eyed peas, yeah. these hold up really well. And, and I've had, and, and here's, here's how, you know, I'm not just pulling your leg on this. I have, I have kids that work with me that are teenagers that don't eat real food. They're, I mean, like they're, they're held together with McDonald's chicken nugget molecules. You know what I'm saying? Like they just, they don't eat actual anything. Uh, whenever they were, have to work on new year's day, I will make extra quantities of my, um, stir fried cabbage and my, uh, black eyed peas and uh, cornbread, and I will take them down to the kids who will cautiously put a spoonful into their mouth and go, oh, wow, these aren't like the black eyed peas I've had before. These are really good. <laughs> and then they will clean their bowls and ask for more. And so uh, if, I can, if, I can, if I can turn picky eaters into black eyed pea fans, uh, trust me, this recipe is genius. 
Yeah, no, it's I love black eyed peas. Love, mm-hmm. love, love them. Yeah, they're uh, uh, you know it's uh, but again, it, you know it's a it's your personality. You know you can make them as hot and spicy as you want. Uh, you can add whatever extra spices you want. You can add uh, you can add a can of Rotel tomatoes to this, which is great. I've I've done that before. Uh, you've got options, and uh, the secret is just uh, to let them uh, let them exist in the pot for a minimum of two hours, so that they get flavor. And like all other things, the principle of diffusion ensures that uh, if you uh, take these peas out the next day, they're going to be even better. That yeah. is one of the great things about these kind of large pot cooking operations. Is man. You don't mind leftovers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're right. When that next day, after that sits there and and, and just absorbs, oh, it, it, everything. Yeah, it tastes so much better the second day. Absolutely, and especially things like that. I mean, you know, chili, black-eyed peas. Uh, I'm going to talk about a recipe, another bean recipe. When it's allowed to sit there, yeah, for a day or two, mm-hmm. it's almost amazing. It's it, I, I've had experiences where I I make it, we eat it that night, and it's like that was pretty good. And I'll come back and have it two days later and go, wow, I don't remember it being that good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. much, much better. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, thank you, Mark. That was that's that's an amazing dish. And and again, I think another staple. Uh, Migas, black eyed yeah. peas. Right. Yes. We're, and we're chili. Talking. Isn't that the third sure. one chili? The third one's chili. <laughs> the third one's chili. Uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I think it might have been kindergarten first grade if i recall there was a uh, nationality uh, night celebrating your heritage when i was in school in houston texas at the our lady of fatima catholic school and we were supposed to show up uh dressed you know with uh, in a way that celebrated our heritage and, and to bring a dish with us uh, from our heritage and naturally my father said we're going to do greek and so there we are uh my mother made me <laughs> as a child made me because she's an amazing uh, 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 sewer and, and, and designer and, and puts to, to this day puts together amazing things. She made me a little Greek soldier's outfit. Now, Greek soldier's Aww. outfit. A traditional Greek soldier's outfit involves a skirt. So you can imagine as a kid, like, my God, do I have to wear this because I'm wearing tight, uh, basically in my brain, pantyhose and a skirt. But, you know, the white, <laughs> the white tights, the little white skirt, the, 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 the brilliant beautiful gold embossed vest, the puffy white shirt, the shoes with the red pom-poms on them, the little hat with the tassel, Greek soldier. But my saving grace, folks, was the fact that I showed up with a big dish of keftedakias. Keftedakias are Greek meatballs. Keftedakias are the smaller ones. Keftedes, you may know, are Greek meatballs. Uh, oh. So literally, uh, months after the heritage died, I got some of those kids walking. I'm going, hey, anybody more than kefedes that you can pass on to me? Because there was some good stuff. The keftedakias, um, you may have them in various ways. You may try them in various Greek restaurants and cafes. Um, my yaya taught my mother how to make these Greek meatballs in this way, and this is the recipe I am going to share. Cool. First of all, I prefer my keftedakias with no sauce, dry. Okay. Right. Now, is it normally is it normally served in a sauce? Uh, both. I see both. 
I see okay. both. And, okay. and depending on the restaurant you go into, there, there are many Greek restaurants here in Austin that we go to, and, and it's like, well, let's roll the dice and see what kind of keftadakis they've got. And sometimes they come, come covered in tomato sauce, and sometimes they don't. Um, I prefer the dry. Um, and, and you'll learn why in a second. The secret to the keftadakis, and this is where it gets a little weird. A part of the recipe calls for bread, five slices of bread, along with your about half, one and a half pounds of ground beef. Again, you want the 80-20 because the fat isn't. Yes, yes thank you I, for anything. I think that goes true for any kind of recipe. Thank you. I do too. I do too. <laughs> but now the, the five pieces of bread, and it could be in any bread, but we prefer the white just because it's traditional for us for this particular purpose. You leave it out overnight. You take the five pieces of bread and you leave it out overnight where it starts to get a little crusty, where it like sits there and gets, I'm not, I'm not eating this on a sandwich. Perfect. That's exactly mm-hmm. what you want. Because there's a, there's a tang to that. You take that bread, the five slices of bread that you've left out overnight, and you work that in with the meat. You actually crumble it all up and you blend it all with the meat. Get your hands dirty. Get in there. Along with all that, you're going to put two medium onions all nice and chopped up. Keep them moving. Kind of about one and a half tablespoons of salt, I suppose. Um, you want to put a uh, little bit of water in there to help moisten as you're working. As you're working, one egg, beat it up, toss it in there. Uh, it usually calls for a clove of garlic. I t- I tend to go two because you know Greek. Um, and then this is the real important stuff. If you can get fresh Greek oregano, and put that in there as well. And you're working. You're working these these this this meat concoction with the bread. Now, now, now tell me, tell me, is this something that can be easily found at a grocery store? Greek oregano? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But you specifically has to say Greek oregano. Greek oregano. Okay, it got it. Yeah, it's Greek oregano. Because I know there's Mexican oregano. I've seen mm-hmm. Mexican oregano. Okay. Right. Yes, there is. In, in fact, Greek oregano. In fact, you could go to, and, and we have, to your Home Depots or your Lowe's where they have the garden center and pick out a little pot of Greek oregano, fresh. That oh. Just plant it and grow it, and it's prolific, and I can walk out in my backyard and cut some. You know, it's it's there. Um Sidebar, my wife and I went to Greece two years ago, and uh, one of our family members sent home a gigantic jar, a huge jar of fresh Greek oregano. It was dried, but it was so – I mean you, you you would unscrew that that top, and it was just, oh, my God, the aroma is just amazing. And we, mm-hmm. we used the heck out of that thing. It, it, it was it was like contraband. In fact, we were concerned because it – you know, dried oregano in a jar in, in your over in your in your luggage coming back from overseas looks like something else. <laughs> right. Um, so we, were, we were concerned <laughs> that people would they would confiscate our Greek oregano, which would be un, unthinkable. So now you've you, you've got the meat all mixed up, then you start to form the actual meatballs. Um, you can make them small, you can make them large, you can even make them into little flat cakes if you are a heathen. But you know, they're keftadakis are meatballs. So you make them in meatball, then you roll them in flour. And yes, this is the uh, this is the hard part, folks. You have to actually cook them in hot oil. One, I mean, not one at a time. Put them in there in your pan, but sit there and 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 watch them and take care of them and nurse them and, and nurture them. And when they turn brown, you have to turn them over and get them all brown on each side individually. But the smell is going to fill your kitchen, and these meatballs are going to be amazing. It's labor intensive to stand there and and shepherd your meatballs, but oh my god. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Once, nice. once those delicious keftedas are done and you pull them out of the fryer and you put them in and you don't deep fry them. Do not deep fry your keftedas. You must stand there in a pan with oil and a little turning tool and do them individually. Turn them, brown them, 
move them on. You just got to. You just got to. Deep frying is 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 too an. Uh, uh, it's not a precise enough procedure, and you could ruin them. You could overcook them, and God forbid you overcook them. Um, yeah, set them out there. Um, they go good with just about anything. They are the hit of a party. I can't tell you how many times I go to parties bringing capteres. Little little toothpicks on them, and go here. You go. Here's some Greek meatballs, and those things are gone. <laughs> that was my, that was my next question to you, Joseph. Yeah. I I think I've had these because you. Yeah. I know you've had them at a party that I've been to. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah, those were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. James and Melinda's. Uh, so so that, that that's one of my favorite recipes, and and certainly comfort food reminds me of growing up. Reminds me of being a child. Uh, reminds me of my my yaya, my my parents. Uh, I had a wonderful happy childhood. Uh, it brings all those memories back when they're cooking, just even when they're cooking, the smell is, is incredibly nostalgic for me. Uh, and the taste is, is knock your socks off good. So, uh, yes, Geftadakis, that's my next contribution here. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mr. Diorive. All right. I am going to now talk about, which is kind of similar to, to chili. Well, maybe, maybe not. But uh, one of the things, again, growing up in a Latino household that you have, and it's just a staple, is charro beans. Charro okay. beans, a little, little soup of beans, and usually has some tomatoes and some onions and some chilies, and it's spicy and it's delicious and it's good. And you usually have it as a side uh, with, with your tacos or enchiladas or whatever else you're eating. But no, no, no. I, I make a charro bean that is a meal. I make a charro bean that eats like a freaking meal. Mm. Um, again, this is made in a big, huge vat. Um, you do have to, like Mark pointed out, like with all legumes, uh, you do have to soak your uh, pinto beans uh, overnight uh, and then rinse them really, really well. But, so just to give you an idea, this charro bean recipe has thick cut bacon, beef franks, ham, chorizo. Mm. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> I don't, I'm not fooling around, folks. This thing <laughs> is so freaking delicious. I, I made this recipe for uh, my housemate, Sean, and another buddy. And Sean ate it and didn't really say much at the time. He was like, oh. And then, like, I don't know, a, a month later or two, he's like, um, are you ever going to make those charro beans again? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and Sean is a man of few words. And I thought, aha, he really must have enjoyed those. And he did. Uh, he had me share the recipe with his mom. So clearly he talked it up to, to his family. But no, it is, this is a thing of beauty, folks. Um, it, it, it's, you start like you're making a normal charro bean recipe, but you put so much meat into this thing. And of course it's got the normal, it's got jalapenos, it's, you use garlic in it. It's got oregano, paprika, cumin, you put bay leaves, um, you know, it's cilantro, diced tomatoes. It, it becomes, I mean, I, I defy anybody to make this and go, oh, here's a little side. Here's a side of charro beans. No, no. You'll have a bowl of charro beans with a side of whatever else you thought you were going to serve. Uh, and it's delicious. And this is another one, Mark. Mark, I have to make this for you. Yeah, I've got the meat switch just hearing you talk about it. <laughs> mm. 
because those combination of all those meats, folks, oh my God, the the ham, the bacon, the beef, franks, the chorizo, once all that starts cooking and combining, um, it's just, it's it's astounding. You you will not believe that charro beans could ever taste this good. Um, and uh, uh, you can make it in a slow cooker. I don't. I, I just make them. Now, I do cook my beans in a slow cooker. And let me explain. Yeah. Um, when you cook beans, you pretty much have to cook those separately from anything else. A lot of people try to cook the beans while they're cooking stuff in with the beans, like spices and stuff like that. And that doesn't work because you have to cook the beans for quite some time. Uh, to give you an example, in a slow cooker, uh, even on high, it mm-hmm. takes about three hours for the soaked beans to fully cook to where you're you're pretty ready to use them to dump all that into another pot to finish the recipe. Um, I cook them with chicken broth, um, and I do usually put some spices with the beans while they're cooking. Uh, I'll put salt and pepper. I usually throw a bay leaf in there, and then sometimes half an onion. Just boom, throw it all in there. Yeah. Put it in the slow cooker, cover it, put it on high, walk away for it from for three hours. Um, and then once you've done that, then in another big pot is where you're cooking the bacon and the chorizo and the ham and the franks and all the additional seasonings, including the garlic. Uh, and then you put the tomatoes, the onions, the jalapeno, et cetera, et cetera. And then you dump the beans into that and it, it, along with the, the, the liquid and all that, that it's been cooking and you can remove the bay leaf if you want or leave it in there. Um, and then that is all stirred up, throw in the cilantro cover it up and let that simmer for another 45 minutes to an hour. Wow. Uh, and wow. yeah, it is. I'm telling you, Mark, it, it is, it is a transcendental experience <laughs> when you eat these beans. Cause again, I, I had, I grew up eating charred beans. Charred beans sure. are not a big thing. It's like, yeah, sure. It's like asking if you want a side of rice. Sure. You want Asian food? You want some white rice? Sure. Okay. You want charred beans? Sure. No, no, no. When I made these beans, I went, holy God, where, where have these be- beans been my whole life? I don't even think my mom <laughs> has tried these beans. I was telling her about them, and she was doing the same thing. She was saying, oh, my God, I'm getting the meat sweats. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and could not wait for me. She's like, come visit me, and please make these beans for me, please. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Good Lord. So, yeah, wow. it's, it, is, it is something just so amazingly delicious. Uh, that it, it, it again, it will eat like a meal. I just usually serve it in bowls. You can serve it um, over Spanish rice, Mexican rice, if you want. Um, but you know, sometimes it's just good by itself. It's just good yeah. by itself. Um, yeah, but you, could, you absolutely have a big bowl of, of beans for for a meal, and especially something like that. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. And and if you like again, like Sean eats it with tortillas. If you want to eat it with flour tortillas, great. You want to eat it with corn tortillas, great. You want to eat it with cornbread. Great. You know, anything that you would normally think you would eat like a almost like a, a chili with, uh, <laughs> please, please do not put sour cream in these. Please do not put sour cream in these. <laughs> oh, I'm begging you. You can put salsa on top of it. That's fine. Put your favorite chipotle salsa, your favorite uh, roasted salsa. That's all fine. That's all fine. I'm, I'm uh, curious, Aaron, is there anything that you would put sour cream on? Um, A baked potato. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. I I'm just curious. On baked I mean, potato. You know, yeah. Uh, what else? No, that's about it. <laughs> I'm, not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of sour cream. I have to admit, although I love sour cream and onion chips, um, I'm not a big fan of sour cream. And and I, I just because to me, once you put sour cream in it, that's all you uh, take. 
Yes, you taste sour cream. That is yeah. what you are now eating a concoction of sour cream. Um, um, ironically and, and interestingly enough, I know everyone has different flavor palettes and tastes, and, and we're, we're all built differently, ladies and gentlemen. A fine example of, of that is Aaron's aversion to sour cream because any of it in the food would change it to a, a completely different flavor palette, whereas other people might think, oh, that adds a little something, and I like the way it does. Now, uh, my other example is my, my lovely wife, who cannot stand, and it breaks my heart, cilantro. Because she yeah. is genetically disposed people who I consider to be sufferers who uh, cilantro tastes like soap. Oh, and it ruins yeah. Everything. And, and it is an actual thing. It's an actual genetic thing where no matter what you put it in, even the tiniest bit of cilantro hidden in a food should be like, there's cilantro in this. You know, and she'll you taste know, And that sucks because my bean recipe, which is delicious, has cilantro in it. If I ever make it for you guys, I'll have to put aside a portion of it before I put the cilantro in. Right. Right. And then have that simmer just for her. Yeah. But no, no, I, I have a friend like that too, Dennis Lubay. And he, right. you know, at first we thought he was exaggerating. We're like, oh, come on. Because right. he would literally spit. If you put cilantro in his mouth with something with cilantro, he would spit it back out on his plate. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, pa, wow. stop being such a drama queen. Come on. No, no, guys, it tastes like soap to them. Yeah, it's, it's That's so weird. Yes. Heartbreaks. Because I love cilantro. I mean, I yes. love it. Yes. Yes. I, I will, uh, you know, fresh, fresh made homemade salsa with cilantro. Oh, you know, uh, and it's, it's not even that to me. The flavor is not even that overpowering. Like, I mean, I think I think sour cream is more overpowering than cilantro. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's all a yeah. matter of of taste and your part, particular palate uh, mm. and the things that you have tolerance for and you don't. I know people that have no tolerance for spice, like at all they eat the most bland foods imaginable and i feel sorry for those people i'm like you you are going through life robbed of 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 this experience i'm so sorry i'm so sorry uh because it's it's delicious it's delicious spice of all kinds is delicious do you think we have the um, maximilian what do you um i want to go another round but make this one a quick a quickie and just do kind of a do do we have one more for, for another round I can do one more, sure. Yeah, I, I, I can do a quick one. Yeah. Okay, so I want to make this a quick one because because Maximilian is starting to hum, um, and, and we don't want to piss him off. He's he's looking for us. He's not, we're in the kitchen, ladies and gentlemen, and he doesn't quite know where we are. So I think we can <laughs> slip one in real quick before he busts through our double doors here. Nice. That's terrifying. Um, <laughs> so real quick, I want to I want to talk about another Instapot recipe that I, that my wife and I discovered. This is a brand new recipe we discovered, and and my God, it is it's already been in rotation three times. It's a nice. Brazilian fish stew. Oh, I already know what this is, and yes, it's delicious. Go ahead. It is fantastic. <laughs> yes, uh, onion, br- uh, bell pepper, garlic, of course, um, some crushed tomatoes, uh, uh, the coconut milk. You got to get full fat coconut milk. Oh yes. Um, yeah, uh, the the cumino or cumin, uh, smoked paprika is important. Black pepper, a little bit of cayenne, and of course you use a um, a, a white fish, either like cod or halibut, because it's got a nice firmness to it. Cut in cubes. I'll post the recipe, folks. It, I mean, it, and, and, the, and the lime. You 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 have to squirt some lime in there before you eat it. That the combination of the coconut milk, the tomatoes, and the spices, it is such a rich, flavorful stew. It, and you again, you can make it for keto. Uh, low carb, paleo. You can make it gluten free. It's an easy, quick, and relatively healthy recipe. The flavor, oh my god! I'm just we, we Jones for it. We're like, I had to make some of that fish stew. Um, yeah, I, I made I made a version of the Brazilian yeah. fish stew, and same thing. I devoured it. 
It's so good. It's so good. I will definitely post that one, folks, for you. Uh, I, it, the Instapot recipe is easy, quick, and and you know, I just I'm, I've got the chakes. I've got the chakes, uh, Mr. <laughs> uh, Mr. Finn. Uh, I skipped you, so I jumped in there. What do you got for that third uh, one? It's okay. It's uh, I am a big uh, believer of the beer can chicken. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, you don't have to have a grill to do it, which is nice. They've got uh, they've got uh, chicken stands uh, that fit uh, that they're designed for your oven. Uh, and I've actually got a, uh, a a bowl, a ceramic bowl that I got for a wedding present that's got the reservoir in it. So it's literally it's almost like a presentation dish. It's really cool. Nice. Uh, and I have found that. Uh, you can do a garlic chicken this way that is sublime. Uh, the uh, the secret is uh, there is no limit to how much garlic you put on the chicken. <coughs> That's just nice. it. It's uh, one of the and, – and what I did uh, – I got here because we were watching True Blood, uh, the season finale, and uh, I made vampire chicken. By by doing the beer can chicken with garlic and then uh, a marinara sauce uh, that I ran down the front of the chicken and then used wooden skewers to stab through its heart. <laughs> nice. Like you do. But oh, even, even without that embellishment, uh, the garlic chicken is uh, is wonderful. Uh, the it's like most beer can chickens. You got to season the outside pretty heavily. And with that, uh, I use the chopped garlic, uh, and I mix it with, um, usually a little herbs and spices, uh, oregano and, um, uh, thyme and, uh, salt and pepper, uh, and, and push that up under the skin into the reservoir. Uh, I will drop, uh, just straight up chicken stock, but I will then load that chicken stock with, with pressed with the, with the, with the pulp and juice of six to eight pressed glow cloves of garlic. Mm. And so, yeah. And so what the, what beer can chicken does, of course, is it perfumes the chicken from the inside and also moistens it. And, uh, as a, as a beer can recipe goes, you know, you don't, I've done it with beer, but I think the beer overpowers the garlic. I think sometimes you just want that garlic delivery system. Now here's the, here's the deal. You will be farting garlic the next (laughs) day. Okay. This is a good heads up folks. This, this will open up your, your yeah, you're going to, you are going to be garlicky the next day. So. Uh, on one hand, I want to say, Hey, do it while quarantining. And the other hand, I want to say, no, don't do it while quarantining. <laughs> yes. That's bad idea. Bad but idea. it ultimately uses probably uh, two bulbs of worth of garlic. It's about 16 cloves all in all, wow. uh, worth of garlic. But, uh, but the beer can, uh, recipe, uh, if you've never tried beer can chicken before, uh, it's very easy to do. Uh, you really don't even need a stand. Uh, if you use an actual can, Mm-hmm. As a base and a and a, um, uh, a shallow pan to to hold it in, you can prop the chicken up in the oven as mm-hmm. long as you've got clearance, and uh, you can cook a five to six pound roaster uh, like that. It takes about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on your oven temperature and uh, the what the chicken ends up being. But uh, boy, there's nothing like it. And if you if you like uh, that kind of rotisserie style chicken. Uh, I uh, can't go wrong with the beer can 
uh, method of cooking. It's awesome. Do you do you find different? Uh, and, and this, I know that you don't use to use uh, the um, actual beer when you do the garlicky, because why would you want a, anything to cover up the garlic? Uh, but when you do actually use beer, do you find different types of beers give you different flavors? And if so, what's your favorite beer that you use? You, you need a strongly flavored beer if you're going to do that. You really need a strong flavored. Uh, uh, any kind of liquid, uh, the stronger, the better. Cause the, cause the flavor is really delicate. Yeah. Uh, it's going through a lot of chicken meat. And so it's going to be spread out pretty, pretty heavily. So with that in mind, uh, I, whenever I can, I'll try to find, um, uh, like a Porter or something, something, something with some heft and some weight. A little stout kind of a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, typically, typically not Guinness. Uh, I, I I actually think the porters work better for for that. But but um, I've used uh, the the uh, double ale uh, chocolate stouts. I've used um, I've used, I, the I, the darker the better for me. So uh, yeah, yeah. Oh oh, and also uh, if you can find like a red ale, red ales tend to be real crisp. And have a lot of uh, have a lot of bite on them. Uh, anything that's kind of hoppy is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you don't want to do an IPA or a Pilsner. Uh, if you're, you know, Coors in your cooking is like making love in a canoe. It's mm-hmm. fucking Fuck close to water. to water. That's right. <laughs> and so there's just no point. There's just no point. So it's just better to. Uh, get as much flavor as you can from everything that you're using, especially with beer can cooking. Agreed. Nice. Agreed. Nice. I've, I've had some success with Shinerbach um, in that as well. Yeah. Um, Shiner, Shiner's a good, uh, it's got a lot of flavor to it. Yeah. yeah. A- anything, make, anything. Tr- either stews or chilies, I either use Guinness or Shiner or something like that. Yeah. Right. Something that's robust and has a lot of flavor. That's always, correct. always. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, he's getting closer. Aaron, what you got? All right, I got a quick one. Uh, if you're not really in the mood for a lot of cooking and you want something yummy and quick, and it does take some special ingredients, uh, but this is about a 20-minute recipe, uh, all it takes for you to make it, and it is cold Dan Dan noodles. Mm. And it's so easy to make, folks. All you need is creamy peanut butter, uh, some minced garlic, some fresh ginger grated, uh, soy sauce, some brown sugar, some sesame oil. Uh, here's where I, I said you might need some special ingredients. You need some Chinese black vinegar, some Chinese chili oil. These are important. Believe me, you do you, you can't skip these. Um, and then it requires some chicken broth. And then noodles of your favorite kind. Noodles Noodles are one of those things that's whatever you prefer. Some people like soba. Some people do ramen. Some people just do like spaghetti noodles. Whatever kind of noodles you want to do. And then scallions for garnish. Um, but basically, you are... Throwing all of those ingredients that I mentioned into a food processor, the peanut butter, the garlic, the ginger, the soy sauce, the sugar, sesame oil, the broth, the Chinese vinegar, and the chili oil. And you are you are mixing that together until it forms almost like a, like a paste, a, 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 a sauce. Yeah. Uh, and it's so flavorful and so delicious, folks. Um, and then you boil uh, some noodles. I, again, I tend to use either soba or um, uh, a Japanese ramen-style noodles, yeah. uh, and you boil those. You want them a little al dente, so no more than about two minutes. You want to boil them for about two minutes and then rinse them in cold water, uh, drain them, dump that mass of noodles into that wonderful sauce in a bowl, 
and mix, 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 mix. Throw some toasted sesame seeds on top and some of the scallions. And then you can have it with, if you want to throw some meat in there, you can throw some shrimp, you can throw some cubes of cooked chicken, whatever you want. You can just have it just like this. And it makes, especially in summertime, it is such a delightfully, uh, 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 just light, wonderful lunch. And I say oh. light because it is. I mean, yeah. despite the fact that it's pasta, it's so good, folks. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, I made this uh, yesterday for me and my housemate, and uh, it was it was delicious. And it's so quick. It's so quick. Twenty minutes. You don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Twenty minutes. Get your Dan Dan noodles and get your Chinese, uh, your your Asian food fix. Um, and it's absolutely delicious. It's wow. Cool. It's a cool dish. You could sit outside and, and absolutely. Nice. If it's ninety-five degrees, yeah. you want a nice cold noodle dish. Nice, nice. I'm gonna try that. I've never had those. That sounds really. Uh, that sounds it's it's very yummy, Mark. It's very yummy. You will love it. And again, I, I we will post these uh, recipes, folks, uh, so you can look at them and try them out yourself and give us give us your thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, fantastic. Cool, um, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that this has inspired you to try some new things. Even if you don't try the recipes that we shared, um, we hope that our enthusiasm for food has at least caused some grumblings in your tumblings and that you might, uh, you know, look around and find some unique things. There are amazing amounts of cookbooks out there. A lot of themed recipes you could search online and find. um, And it's a great way to spend some time with the family during your quarantine or by yourself, if you just want to try something new and treat yourself because you deserve it yes. uh, to, to, to try something tasty. I want to share one quick thing uh, that I discovered from Titan Books that it's coming out this November, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of cookbooks. It is the Alien, the official cookbook. Yes, that's correct. Alien, the official cookbook from Titan Press, a culinary journey through the xenomorph's terrifying life cycle, featuring dishes such as avocado xenomorph eggs and chicken (laughs) hugger cordon bleu. (laughs) Recipes inspired by the most terrifying apex predator in the galaxy. And you yourself, ladies and gentlemen, can be inspired and um, cook up some uh, xenomorph uh, avocado eggs. I'm dying to see what that recipe is. Oh about. my god! I wow. don't know who thought of that, but that's fucking genius, right? I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, you you, you you had me at face hugger uh, cordon blue. <laughs> oh, he's here, um, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. The Gentleman Nerds is a cloak and dagger production. It is written by Aaron Diarive, Mark Finn, Ben Gibbs, and Joseph Fotinos, with additional material provided by Gordon Ramsay and Ratatouille. Music composed and performed by the amazingly talented Bed Gibbs, catering by Drayton Sawyer, the last up, ra- last roundup rolling grill chef. Promotional material, logos, and the Gentleman Nerds mascot, created by artistic goddess Michelle Fitzpatrick. The Lobot Lounge bouncer is Maximilian. Yes, we know. And our special guest bartender was Isaac Washington. Thank you, sir. Our sound <laughs> editor, mixer, and intentional producer is Ben Gibbs. Our executive producer, and the man we all pray never gets superpowers, is Aaron Diarive. The Gentleman Nerds attorney is Dr. Gonzo. Lobot Lounge Sculptures by Walter Paisley. Special guest food critics, Paul Bartel and Mary Waranov. Thank you. <laughs> Lobot, Lobot Lounge Fish Tanks, maintained by Neymar and Curry. Custom saltwater fish tanks for exclusive and discriminating tastes. And Mark Farnash is the man in the gorilla suit. Web hosting by Bluetooth Host. Tiger training by that bitch Carol Basket. 
join us in the Lobot Lounge when next we open. And please, when we can, always tip your bartenders and your wait staff. We will get through this. Be smart, be safe, take care of one another. I'm Joseph Fotinas, reminding you all that Red Skull lives and... McClunky! All right, I've got to go eat. I am starving. You guys, yeah, no, after, you guys after have after murdered show, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I made pot roast last night, and there's a pot roast sandwich that's just, Aaron, eat me, eat me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah.